Welcome back to Balagan. I'm Kobe Cohen, and you're here at Balagan again. And today we're going to speak about republicanism, not what you thought about. So, and for that, I have my dear friend, Mr. Nir Reisler. And Nir, Hello. let's talk about uh, the Republicans or the Republica. Let's, <laughs> let's talk. So, as you said, uh, the first thing to realize is we definitely don't speak about republicanism in the sense of the Republican Party. Not at all, because many of our listeners are probably allergic to this kind of uh, meaning of uh, republicanism. But, but in fact, you know, uh, both the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, their names just reflect um, a different aspect of the republic, you know. Different ideology, state. I would say, but shared, no, no, eventually shared the common grounds of yes. what the country stands for. Right, but, right? I, but I don't mean, of course, yeah, but I definitely. But what I meant now is not the ideologies of the parties, but their names. Because republic and democracy are basically, yeah, they're not synonymous, but basically being a republic is slightly different than being a democracy in the sense that it refers to the state, to the actual ways in which a state belongs to the public. So this is not about the Republican Party or the right wing at all. This is basically about more left-wing ideology, if we must uh, kind of uh, situate it in the political sphere. This is the ideology that uh, guided Thomas Jefferson when he wrote the American Constitution. And uh, this is the ideology that guided the French Revolution. It influenced uh, Jefferson profoundly. So republicanism is basically the, it is a later uh, uh, term, but it refers to, to this ideology. So let's speak just for a minute or two about republicanism before we, before we move to the Israeli aspect of it, or yes. the Israeli version of it. The republicanism, uh, you began to say, it's a political uh, philosophy or uh, ideology that recognizes the fact that, uh, you know, in order to, in order to fulfill the humanist basic goal, which is the liberation of mankind, both of the collective liberation and uh, individual, individual liberation. So it's individual freedom and collective freedom depend on our ability to, to cooperate, to be a society that share a common public sphere that we together manage in a democratic way. Now, it is not only a method, it's not like, not like the means for individual liberation is collective cooperation, but it's much deeper than that. We have need to belong. We have a, a profound need to be a part of society, to share our life with other people. We feel, uh, you know, uh, we have, we have uh, emotional attachments for. It begins, of course, with the family, with couples, families, but it broadens to communities. And eventually, we have a profound need to be a part of uh, a community to really know, in a way intimately know, to share a historical memory, 
and their cultural language and uh, a sense of meaning, shared collective sense of meaning and uh, different cultural uh, foundations with other people that we share the same life fabric. Now, this kind of consciousness is the goal uh, on its own. And it also has a, a mutual dependence on political solidarity and socioeconomical solidarity. Because if we don't care about other people in our society, we won't be obligated to, you know, to uh, co-manage this project called the state, a democratic state together with them. Mm -hmm. And also definitely we won't support them economically. So republicanism is basically realizing that in order to really be a free human being, we need to be a part of a society, again, as a goal, not as a means for yeah. individual liberation, but as a goal on its own. So the part of fulfilling who you are is being a part of a collective a society. On the other hand, it's not, it's not a collective ideology in any extreme fashion, of course, because still it's the individual. The, yeah, what you're meaning the, is that it, it's not built it's on uh, obedience. It's built on, uh, on mutual uh, responsibility and, um, and, con exactly. and self-conscience, eventually. Exactly. Exactly. And its criteria, you know, its, it's uh, object is still the individual. It will never uh, annihilate the individual, vice versa. It wants to create a democratic society of free people uh, willingly cooperating in order to, to uh, uh, you know, fulfill themselves and realize themselves fully, both as individuals and as a collective. Now, the difference is, you know, it's it differentiates in this sense of any authoritarian uh, uh, collectivist ideology, you know, like uh, communism, fascism, or, or uh, uh, different forms of fundamentalism. They, you know, sharply differentiate itself from them, but it also differentiates itself from excessively individualist ideologies of a kind of abstract liberalism that doesn't recognize neither the need for belonging, nor the necessity of belonging to this kind of a collective that unites around a democratic state in order to, to fulfill yourself. So this is kind of a, a more profound, more complex, and, and that's why much more, um, I would say, a successful ideology, because uh, it integrates uh, both individual and the collective aspect of democracy. And it, it realizes that the only way to prevent the public sphere being dominated by individuals or groups that want to subjugate it to their own uh, sectorial or uh, individual needs that contradict the public good, you know, the, 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 the good of the majority, the only way to do it is uh, to nurture a sense of responsibility for the public good, shared by, ideally, all the citizens for democracy. Now, it's also an ideology that integrates the universal and the particular, because it realizes that um, we can only be a, a part of, you know, of this kind of uh, democratic, sovereign community, sovereign, and to, that means that we are in charge of our own faith. 
for future, for destiny. We can only do it if this kind of you know, political solidarity is rooted in mutual sense of um, identity. It's basically the national identity, either of the majority, if it's a state that has, uh, like Israel, a majority and, and, a minor, and a minority or minorities, the national sense, but also, you know, it, it can be just the national identity of the citizens in political national uh, states like uh, France and the United States. Anyway, it has to be rooted in national uh, identity. But, but this national identity has to be broadened into a universal, egalitarian partnership between all the citizens, which means that you can be French even if you don't share all the, all the cultural uh, nuances and the uh, historical memory, etc. But by being French citizen, you will, you know, eventually also uh, internalize this kind of uh, historical memory. You will get to know more profoundly the French culture, or your children will if you immigrate to France. Now, the same thing with national states uh, that have majorities and minorities, uh, as in Israel, in the sense that uh, republicanism is a kind of very balanced, very mature ideology in the sense that, that, that it integrates particular identity and universal institutions. It has to treat equally all the citizens. Now, the result is kind of that this national identity has to be translated, has to be reflected in um, actual uh, uniting around the public institutions, the concept of the state, its uh, symbols, which refers universally to all the citizens. Now, in turn, you know, it's, a, it's a kind of a mutual dependence because in turn, this uh, universal state also reinforces the national identity, broadens it, but it, we feel that, that we, we are the same people because we have the, the same country. We, we care about our country, we have the same uh, historical memory, we share uh, social solidarity. So, so it's kind of a political and uh, cultural and socioeconomical solidarity that co-depend on each other. And their meeting point is basically the Republic. I want to ask you, you know, we're talking about institutions and about the concept of the Republica. And eventually, the state of Israel is a young nation state. Uh, we will celebrate 75 years of independence in this upcoming May. And in Hebrew, it's called Mamlachtiyut, which actually comes from the biblical uh, meaning of kingdom. But kingdom not as uh, for a king, but as a sovereignty, as the idea of our own country. Um, the, the statehood. Statehood. That's statehood. Kind of, uh, yes. Good exactly. translation, yeah. So I want to go now to Israel because it was a really strong, I would say, value in the eyes of our founders. So can you elaborate a little bit about that? Tell us more about, you know, how was it formed in Israel? Who brought it? We know the concept, but I want to hear more about how was it embedded, you know, in the young state of Israel and even before when Mapai started building the different institutions. Right. Or the Zionist movement, I will say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're completely right. 
ממלכתיות, שבהיברו term for republicanism, which actually preceded the term republicanism, which developed later in the research. So ממלכתיות was the name that Ben Gurion, you know, the founder of Israel, and the legendary leader, the, both the labor movement, but also of the entire Zionist movement, and the first prime minister of Israel that founded the state, the only leader that had the courage to found uh, the state, despite of uh, the threat of uh, combined uh, attack of the, all the Arab armies to destroy the young state, which they very much tried to fulfill this uh, threat in uh, the war of independence. So, Mamlachtiyot um, was the core value, a core principle in Zionist ideology from the very beginning. Because we, we should go back and leave Ben-Gurion for a second and go back to Herzl. Herzl's um, revision for a Jewish state was profoundly Republican. In Alt-Neuland, he actually uh, draws the outline for an ideal very progressive state, uh, both socioeconomically. He supposedly wasn't a socialist. He didn't refer himself to himself as a socialist, but in our terms, in contemporary terms, he was definitely a social democrat in many ways. But this is a, a different, slightly different uh, subject. So the, the Republican, um, the Republican uh, aspect of Zionism was there from the very beginning. Because Zionism is is a progressive mainstream and its a most important uh, fraction were all rooted in uh, enlightenment thinking, in humanism. You know, in this conception of uh, that our goal is to liberate the uh, mankind and the individual and uh, recognizing both individual and the collective right to self-determination. So Zionism was always uh, rooted in recognizing universal values, you know, as, as it's written in uh, uh, our Megillat Atmaut, you know. Yeah, you know, uh, Declaration the, of Independence. Declaration of Independence, exactly. We found uh, the State of Israel as a realization of the right of every people to be sovereign in its own uh, state, independent state. So, you know, uh, unlike uh, the radical right wing that really uh, kind of so the Bible, as the, you know, validating uh, our particular right to Israel and uh, you know, the, the labor movement and also the revisionists of Sergio Butinsky, they recognize the right of every people to be independent and uh, every individual to be free. Yeah. So, so that's why um, the political aspect, oh, and, and of course, the Zionist conclusion was that this liberation is only possible in the West that I uh, mentioned earlier, in a universal state, giving equal rights and applying the same laws, by the way, unlike Israel today, that applies different laws in the occupied territories, which is a horrible danger to the future of uh, Israeli republicanism and democracy, and uh, of the Zionist uh, vision. But we'll talk about that maybe later. But uh, it's it's definitely a topic for for another conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it will be always nice to to speak with you uh, on another subject. 
Oh, definitely. But oh. I want to ask you, I mean, because you were saying about, uh, you know, republicanism and uh, yeah. when the state of Israel was founded, it was really a mix of, I would say, you know, different tribes that came to the state of Israel. And they needed eventually to speak the same language. Uh, and for yeah. that, you know, we literally formed the different institutions. But let's say, you know, uh, in the States, for example, you have a public, uh, you know, public school system and you have private school system. I mean, it's a part of the institutions, but uh, it's not exactly, I would say, you know, part of the meaning of for a public. But how does it go in Israel? I mean, what was formed and uh, how it was embedded you know, in this young country? Yeah. Well, to, to answer that, we should go before the foundation of Israel. So basically, Zionism, uh, from the very beginning, Herzl's vision, definitely Ben-Gurion's and other uh, uh, Zionist socialist thinkers, but also uh, Dev Jabotinsky and the uh, not radical right wing, the kind of uh, liberal right wing. So they all recognized that only a nation state that with this, you know, the, the different uh, Jews from different countries can unite around it uh, and to share the same institution with a very strong national public education system and the health system. Now, this is more the, the labor movement, you see, because think of that the labor movement, we didn't speak about it before, but republicanism is essentially in most cases, uh, tends to be left-wing, socioeconomically speaking. That is because without at least a degree of uh, economical equality, a society can't be solidary, divided, and without uh, being free from poverty, you know, an individual or a family that struggles to survive, whether physically or economically, isn't really uh, available or uh, take an active part in the public sphere, in the political life. So for a really solidary society, united society with mutual sense of belonging and responsibility for each other, for the public good, for the good of the state, that represents the public interest. So in order, in order for that, uh, a society has to provide the quality social services, you know, education, health, welfare, living houses, kind of a minimum wage, or which is relatively high, uh, working rights, workers' rights, uh, workers should be united. So the labor party movement, the Israeli labor movement was the mainstream, the uh, dominant hegemonic factor in uh, fulfilling Zionism because it, it realized all of that. And the left-wing republicanism, left-wing Memlechtiyut, uh, was the was the foundations upon which Israel was founded. Now it wasn't without struggle. With David Ben Gurion, he realized that the only way to turn these uh, different uh, vagabonds, the different uh, communities or fragments of Jewish uh, immigrants to one nation, one democratic nation, and a solidary society, is Mamlechtiyut is to fulfill the Zionist vision of changing Jewish society and making it from a kind of a certain of, of, form. Of wonders of uh, tribes to one nation. I yeah, and say. also 
Right, right. And, and also of a fragmented uh, sort of capitalist society, early capitalist society, to uh, fragmented with horrible uh, economic and social gap, with uh, poverty, with uh, uh, degeneration. So to take this kind of very sick society, very twisted, not, not it wasn't its fault. It was basically a, a consequence of different historical uh, circumstances. But to take this society of the diaspora to, to form a healthy, social, democratic, solidarity, democratic, sovereign, you know, society of people that can, can uh, stand their ground and to, to take responsibility for the future, whether uh, it is uh, by defending themselves against uh, people who want to kill them, which uh, was difficult for Jews uh, as a, you know, a haunted minority. Yeah. Haunted minority, persecuted minority, that is. But also, socioeconomically, to, to, have, a, to have a progressive economy, uh, uh, you know, dedicated to the good of the entire public, and not only before and as today, unfortunately, to a very small number of uh, capitalists. Yeah. So the, the thing is that in order for all of that, we need a state and we need universal institutions. Now, Ben-Gurion had to struggle with different factors that didn't agree with that. I mean, the most uh, dramatic struggle was, of course, with the Israeli right wing. You know, the Irgun, in Hebrew, it's called the Etzel, the National Military Organization. In English, it's known as the Irgun, was the yeah. right-wing uh, resistance that um, refused to obey the directions of the uh, democratically elected uh, government, right? And, and before government, before Israel was founded, even right. the, of the Zionist movement. Yeah. Now, it was a, the Irgun wasn't a political uh, fraction on its own. Yeah. This uh, division began. With the revisionists led by Zev Zabotinsky, a great intellectual and philosopher, really one of the greatest, uh, uh, but one that uh, was a liberal democrat, uh, theoretically, but not uh, actually. So he refused to kind of to accept the fact that the democratically elected uh, leadership of the Zionist movement was the more um, more pragmatic, more uh, a kind of uh, moderate one of the Labour Party, the Labour Movement. And he basically left the, the Zionist Estatut, uh, the Zionist uh, organization. And it created a situation that, you know, before Israel was founded, they can, they could somehow try to justify this by, uh, by saying that. They do recognize that, in principle, there should be one uh, state. Uh, they were very national, of course, nationalist, the right-wing uh, revisionist. So they, they said, yeah, of course, there should be one state that we'll all unite around. But until the state is founded, we don't recognize the leadership of the uh, labor, etc. But after Israel was founded in the middle of the Shikhur, you know, the, uh, the, the war of independence. independence. Yeah. Yeah. Of liberation is in Hebrew, which is an older term, which I, I prefer. So, in, in, during this war, weapon ship called Altelena, which was actually a ship uh, of uh, that they had to, refugees uh, and weapons uh, that exactly. was bought by the Irgun. It was, 
especially a, a ship of refugees here, but Irgun also loaded it with weapons. And the problem was that Menachem Begin, the leader of the, the commander of the Irgun, he refused to, you know, to obey Ben Gurion's orders and to hand over the weapons to the weapons. To the, newly established, to the newly established IDF, the Israel Defense exactly. Force. Exactly. Exactly. Tal is the IDF, of course, the Israeli Defense Force and yes. the Israeli Army. Because the Excel kind of uh, demanded to, to remain uh, either an independent uh, body or a certain unit. Uh, uh, they wanted, to, or, yeah, or they wanted to have their own units, and especially yeah. Menachem yeah. Begin in this case, by the way, demanded that he will have the say on where the weapons will go to. He wanted it to go to Jerusalem exactly. because he wanted to give it to his friends who were uh, under a Jordanian uh, uh, blockade. Right. And Ben-Gurion oh. told him, listen, we are a sovereign state now. You're not going to be the one exactly. who's saying what goes where. Exactly. Ben-Gurion recognized that the danger in allowing... Uh, an independent or even somewhat independent uh, militia that right. isn't uh, completely subject to the state, which is a danger to democracy. I mean, it can't be a democracy without the government being in charge. Yeah, you can't have militias running so, around, so, exactly, <laughs> vigilantes, exactly. doing whatever exactly. they want. Exactly. Um, one of the yeah. uh, state is defined even the, the most basic definition of a state is that it has the monopoly on violence. The state can be the only one giving directions to an army. Otherwise, it's not a state. There is no sovereignty, there is no... Uh, right. Uh, so it concluded in a very uh, tragic way. There was a violent uh, confrontation in which uh, ethel members uh, killed... Uh, IDF, formerly Palmach uh, soldiers, and uh, eventually uh, Ben Gurion ordered to drown uh, Altelena. Yeah. And uh, fortunately. In front of the was... Tel Aviv shore in daylight, it was. Uh... Right. After uh, Altelena fired uh, on Kvarvitkin. My father right. uh, grew up in, in Beskarut, it's a, a Moshav Shitufi, it's uh, somewhere in between a Moshav and a Kibbutz. And he remembers the bullet holes in the, I think, in the respect, in the... Uh, Amazing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you live the cow, you cow, live, uh, It's a living history. Yeah, yeah. My, my grandfather, from my mom's side, by the way, was a high commander in the Irgun. He saw it from, from the other side. And uh, he remembers that Menachem Begin order, ordered he, him and uh, the other uh, Irgun warriors not to uh, return fires in order to avoid the... Uh, Civil war, so that's why uh, this terrible incident was the uh, how it ended without being uh, developed without into becoming to a, a, real, a real internal war, war between the Jews. Yeah, exactly a full-scale uh, civil war. So I had a somewhat less dramatic uh, confrontations, more uh, internal was inside the socialist Zionism, inside the labor movement, because. Uh, many institutions, voluntary institutions, from the Hebrew settlements that preceded the sovereign state before the founding of Israel, didn't like, to say the least, Ben-Gurion's uh, vision of Amlachtiyot, of Republicanism. They actually argued that it's uh, only, uh, or 
mainly is a way of to concentrate uh, the power in its own hands and in the end of Mapai, the ruling uh, party. Now, it's not that there wasn't also this aspect to it, but uh, I think in principle, Ben-Gurion was right. Because uh, you see, um, for example, Apalmach. Apalmach was uh, kind of uh, the archetype, the, the uh, uh, prototype that the IDF was uh, built upon. So the, uh, basically the army of the Haganah. The, the, yeah, that's what I want to the, say. It was the um, fighting branch of the Haganah. Yeah, yeah. That, that basically was the core of Tal, the idea. Yes. So uh, they were, of course, loyal to the Zionist uh, movement and to the, uh, uh, no, to Ben-Gurion. But he also said that the Palmach can continue uh, being uh, uh, an independent force or to, I don't know, to, to preserve it's a dominance uh, in the IDF, but the IDF, is, again, is, a, is a, an army belonging to the entire state. And uh, they didn't like it. The Kibbutz Amucha, the United Kibbutz, the, the <laughs> biggest uh, movement of the Kibbutzim, they also struggled to, to have uh, more, uh, uh, more authority, more uh, you know, different uh, institutions and organizations uh, belonging to the movement, to different movements. Ben-Gurion wanted to subjugate uh, many of them to the state. Right. Now, it wasn't, you know, it was also a political uh, struggle between MAPAM, uh, the more left-wing, the more radical left-wing uh, Zionist party. It wasn't radical in the sense that we think of today. It was very, uh, you know, uh, activist in the uh, security yeah, they were activists uh, uh, in, the, in, in the war, and they were activists in the, you know, the whole uh, Zionist sphere. Yeah. They were pioneer, but they were more socialist. Yes. They weren't uh, more moderate, but kind of vice versa. But it was a very strong, very... They were le- a lot uh, less Zionist. pragmatic, let's right. call it this way. Exactly. Exactly. So Ben-Gurion uh, had many struggles with them. And eventually, for example, uh, there was their uh, labor education, a specific uh, uh, branch of education uh, of the, the labor movement. Ben-Gurion... Uh, you know, disintegrated it in, in the uh, national public education. Yeah, in, uh, in what we call for, in Hebrew, Chinuch Mamlachti. <laughs> exactly, Chinuch Mamlachti, right, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, it's kind of tragic because, because uh, it didn't do the same, in fact, uh, with the religious Mamlachti, Chinuch, uh, and, and, and we still, it's kind of a tragedy because now Chinuch Mamlachti isn't, isn't the... Ideological yeah, enough, but that, that's for a different conversation. He uh, also, uh, you know, nationalized uh, certain um, uh, organizations that uh, help people to find jobs. It was called Lishkot Avoda, work... Uh, work agencies, uh, but uh, agencies. in Israel it wasn't privatized, like it in the US. It wasn't privatized. No, it wasn't privatized. Yeah. It, it belonged to the uh, labor movement, and then Goyon made it belong to the state, in order right. to provide universal services to every citizen. Basically, that's uh, the root of Israeli Mamlachtiyut, which was left-wing Mamlachtiyut. Now, it, it, uh, I think that, you know, in our next conversation, we'll speak about uh, what happened to Mamlachtiyut, how it deteriorated, how it uh, suffered, uh, you know, it deteriorated in the neoliberal era. It uh, suffered a, a direct attack by Netanyahu and his um, allies in the populist era. 
uh, yeah. recently. And uh, now, ironically, the center uh, parties, especially Amachane Amamlachti, know, the uh, national uh, unity uh, The party. national unity party, the new alliance <laughs> between uh, <laughs> the Jedi's new hope of Gidon Saar. I never <laughs> knew that he was a Jedi, by the way. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and <laughs> Benny Gantz of uh, blue yeah. and white, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so this uh, party that kind of made the Mamlachtiut Republicanism its main flag, and then you know it's, it's their name is is Mamlachti, yeah, right, the Republican Front in, in Hebrew. Uh, yeah. So basically, um, they actually ironically uh, reflect the, the very same processes and phenomena that. Uh, kind of deteriorated Mamlachtiyot and uh, emptied it. So we'll talk about it uh, in our next conversation. But today I just want to uh, quickly uh, say that, you know, I, I conclude by saying that uh, the four principles of Republicanism, of Mamlachtiyot, uh, that were applied in the golden uh, age of uh, Israeli Mamlachtiyot, Israeli Zionist Republicanism, were, you know, sense of uh, citizen involvement, active involvement, which should be nurtured in political uh, life, in the public sphere, is uh, uh, people felt, and they were, you know, they were thought to be responsible for the society in the uh, youth movement, in uh, being uh, members of parties, different uh, social uh, movements and organizations, but the Israeliness was basically founded on a sense of very active democratic involvement of the individual via different movements, with different organizations that he belongs to, uh, or she belongs to, in the political life. Another principle that, you know, inherently attached to it is a sense of fair responsibility for the public good, for the good of the state and for the, the other citizens, the entire society. Another is the universal appliance of laws and the uh, regulations, and uh, also providing uh, social services and uh, different establishments related to the state. They all have to, to be provided and applied universally and, and uh, equally on all the citizens. Also, right across the board uh, without discrimination. Exactly. Exactly. Otherwise, it's a uh, no, uh, central condition to any political solidarity. Now, you know, it, sends us, one, it sends us back. Oh, say the fourth one and yeah. then I'll... Uh... Oh, the, the fourth one is, is the, as I said earlier, the measure of socioeconomic equality, which is a goal on, on its own, of course. But it's also a condition for any active involvement of the citizen in the political life. So these four uh, conditions are mutually dependent. And they all conditions for uh, for having a functioning, a healthy, you know, uh, internally resilient republic. I just wanted to say, in regards to what you said in uh, your third point, that if yeah. people want to go back, uh, we actually recorded episode 14, which was in the first season, that was about solidarity. And it's, right. a, I would say, it's a pillar of uh, the nation state. and what you call republicanism. Definitely. Yeah, I'm so uh, more than welcome to listen to Kobe and I uh, chat about 
kind of different, but also very related topic. Yeah. I will enjoy very much talking to you. Definitely. So, uh, and we, we, will have, we will have a second part to this conversation because we don't want it to be too long. So we're, uh, we're going to make two episodes out of it. And I in the we're... next episode, we're going to continue the conversation about the idea of the Republic and what happened to it in Israel. Uh, we'll also compare it to what's happening to the U.S. And uh, right. eventually we'll conclude with what uh, can be done and should be done, regardless of the upcoming elections in Israel. Uh, in, that, uh, in that term, Nir, I will say yeah. uh, good luck to the state of Israel and its people, because this episode is going to be aired on election day, <laughs> wow. on November 1st. So uh, good luck wow. to us. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely, we'll need we it. talk again soon. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and wanted to thank you for joining me. If you like my podcast, feel free to rank it and share it with others. I also invite you to subscribe to my podcast so you will get updates when a new episode is on the air. And last but not least, I invite you to check my website, Balagan, www.balagan.ltd, for more content about Israel's history and politics. Bye for now, and have a great day.